0: Welcome back to the final episode of the Enfield Poltergeist Tapes on Ichabod's House. We're very happy to be here. I'm Andy, your host, along with your other host, Jen. Hi, guys. And we should also mention
1: this is the last episode of season two.
0: Yes, our very unproductive season two.
1: (laughs) Um. We'll be back with, I think we're slated. We're going to try and do 26 episodes in season three, which will be premiering in the spring.
0: <clears throat> yes. Um, it'll be a little more manageable for us and a little more predictable for you. Yes. You're welcome. So, it's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the, in this episode, we're doing the 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 final of the... Um, final discussion of the tapes and what happened at the house. And then um, we'll discuss what was real versus what Hollywood put out.
1: Ah. Cause that's oh, well. kind of a,
0: that's kind of a thing. I think
1: mm-hmm. I agree with you.
0: So anyway, um, and I had so many things to talk to you about now. They've all gone out of my head. <laughs> I need a good medication that you will keep to get- me. I yeah, I do. I think maybe I need a team of doctors for <laughs> my mental health that will say. Maybe they. Maybe I don't because they probably institutionalize me.
1: I think you just need to write stuff down. That's a crazy thought, but it works for a lot of. If people. I
0: could remember a pen, that might help. <laughs> I, I never seem to have one of those either. <laughs>
1: Okay. See what we can do about
0: that. Right. Okay. We did have a Google and beyond because I remember you writing something down. Did you handle that? That's your department. I'm assigning that to you. She's pursing her lips. They're pursed. Did we not write down a Google and beyond? I don't know. I just like to make you sweat. No, we didn't write anything down. Oh, okay. Good. Well, then we have no Google and beyond for you today. Um, I do have some good Ichabod's nose, but it's been a while since I've watched them. So the first one is called Silent Night. It came out in 2021, I think. So right in the pandemic. So I don't think a lot of people probably saw it because I think it was before... The movie theaters said, oh, or the movie people said, oh, nobody can go to the movie theaters, so why don't we just stream movies? Mm-hmm. So I don't think – I mean, this is, is a good kind of sci-fi horror – not really horror, but sci-fi movie. And I think I would have watched it had I known about it. I didn't know about it. Okay. Excuse me. I didn't mean to sniffle so loud. So anyway, it's called Silent Night. It's with Keira Knightley. It takes place in England, and it's kind of um, – it a dystopian society because basically we've ruined the best humans have ruined the planet and there's this toxic storm cloud coming. And so the government has given people pills to swallow and they'll just fall asleep rather than dying this painful death where those seas and bleed from their eyes. So it's very good. Mm-hmm. Not as sad as you'd think. Cause it's a comedy. Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, it, it's called Silent Night. And then I watched Black Christmas, but I cannot remember that one to save my life. <laughs> okay. I think it was. Oh, 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 I do. I do remember. It was from 1974. It starred. um, Remember the chick who starred in the original Amityville Horror? Margot Kidder. Kidder. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it stars Margot Kidder and some other people and there's they live in a dorm it takes place in a sorority house and basically it's a it's a it's a takeoff of or maybe an extension of um when a stranger calls and the calls coming from inside the house. Oh. Except they didn't really go into why the dude was weird like that. So anyway, it's just a good old fashioned slasher. Um where KMP are you what- slasher? What platform are you watching these on? Oh, I watch them on Flixtor. Okay. It's F-L-I-X-T-O-R. Okay. So, you know, $89 for two years. Gets you primo service. So it's a pretty good deal. But anyway, um, th- that's what I watch. What have you been watching? Um, so I finished watching
1: Glitch. Horrible show on Netflix. <laughs> and... Then I have started season three of Dead to Me.
0: Oh, with Christina Applegate.
1: Christina Applegate and love Linda Cardellini. And
0: I love, both of them. I
1: love them. That's a good show. Mm-hmm. And of course, I've been doing my old standbys, Grumpy Old Men. I watched the uh, second Christmas Story movie, which was good.
0: Oh, is it good?
1: It's good. Yeah. It's worth a watch. It's not going to be a classic like the first, I don't think, but it it's touching and cute and good. definitely worth a watch.
0: I heard that you, you can see everybody from the, was that you that told me that you can see everybody from the first one in it? Yeah.
1: Yep. They're all still characters in there. So brought them all back.
0: I love that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <clears throat> yes. You know, my students have been asking me, which I find interesting because they're, 11 and 12-year-olds, and they'll ask me, Mrs. Blickenstaff, Die Hard, a Christmas movie or an action film?
1: Oh, it's a Christmas
0: movie. 100%. But you have to say both. It's both. Dorkos. Yeah. It's an action Christmas movie. It's an action Christmas movie.
1: Yes. And I have already watched that twice this season. I got it for Christmas last season and hopefully getting the John Wick series this season. Crossing Fingers.
0: Look at you. I have not watched that yet. I think I need to. Chris says it's fabulous. Oh my God, it's, it's such I'm you don't watch it
1: for the acting. you watch it for the gratuitous violence and fighting and revenge kills. It's just scratches that itch. It's okay. good.
0: Each show I find out a little bit more about you and how deep I don't know what goes in your head. I, don't I am not a violent person, not in the least. I know you're I, not, I, which is it's very so you're very non-confrontational as well. And so this surprises me a little bit that you have an itch to scratch to see gratuitous violence.
1: Yeah, give me a good western. Um oh. I like revenge. I like I really 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 like revenge movies where the good guy or the anti-hero Takes it out, goes full vigilante. I, I like love it.
0: I do like a good anti-hero movie. I really do. I
1: love the um, Dirty Harry movies. I love the uh, oh hell, I'm sure Charles Bronson movie. movies. Oh, um, Charles Bronson. God damn it! The, you know what I'm talking about. The I totally Charles know. Bronson vigilante yeah, movies, for
0: sure, for sure. With the I guy, with the kid stuff. on the horse and the harmonica.
1: Yeah, but he also was in some 70s movies he where was. he's a vigilante. His wife gets killed, his daughter gets um raped. J- um Bruce Willis remade it. And I'll be damned if I can think of the name of it.
0: Well, okay. Um yes, no, I I I like those
1: as well. 100%. Um here, hold on one second. Everybody hold please.
0: Char I can look it up if you Bronson. want me to on my phone. Movies, I just didn't want to lose my
1: script. Death Wish. <sighs> there we go.
0: Well, do you need a cigarette now? Phew. <laughs> and I <do>. Phew. <laughs> you feel that better. was satisfying. <laughs> All this oh, on a God. Sunday morning. I feel a little naughty now. Okay not even excited my dog yep yep <laughs> mommy's okay all right so are you ready to get rolling here <laughs> are, are you ready do you need to go adjust yourself I'm, I'm, good. Bathroom? I'm good are you okay i'm good okay all right good deal okay so yes um and i'm assuming we have no ask ichabod nobody wants Ichabod's mm. love advice or moving advice or any kind of advice, advice.
1: He is just kind of a floating head with a bunch of pins stuck in him. So what are you going to do?
0: I think next spring, let's ornate his pins with a flower on each one. Let's hot glue a flower on each pin. And then maybe people would find him a little more welcoming. Maybe. Maybe
1: he'd be a little more approachable. I think so.
0: All right. Okay last
1: time we were discussing the symposium that took place where lots of people with degrees and letters behind their names gathered to discuss what was going on in the Hodgson household. Many people weighed in and so did Andy and myself. I, so did Andy and I, but more on that later. For now, we will return to Enfield and the goings on at the house in May, 1978. Mrs. Hodgson discussed on the tapes the incident of Dennis Berkham's missing
0: pork pie. Have you ever had a pork pie? I have not. I've never had a meat pie of any kind, I don't think. Well, you know, we've had pot pies, like chicken pot pie, but... Is is that the same thing?
1: I have no idea. Um, Our European friends, our British friends... Uh, our Irish friends are, are there pork pies in Ireland we'd like to know please
0: yeah I don't even know what, reach out what that would be okay a pair, I think I would really like a taco pie just a pie filled with taco meat and cheese Bizquick
1: um, has a recipe for an impossible taco pie which is not impossible because
0: you can make it with Bizquick. so there you go Google I'm it. gonna have to look into that yeah for sure okay now I'm really really hungry Okay. Apparently, the poltergeist wrote, I've got Mm -hmm. your pork pie (laughs) in soap on the bathroom mirror. Is that anything like, (laughs) I've got your deuces over here. I don't even know what that means. I'm just, is it like a threat? I think it's like a threat. I I have no idea. Apparently, Mm -hmm. he wrote it, he or she wrote it in soap on the bathroom mirror. Pools of urine and excrement kept appearing in the bathroom and the kitchen, Jen. Gross didn't believe it was the children spreading the excrement, however. There was also urine and excrement left on the toilet seat, which that could totally be kids. Um, Mrs. Or a husband, not going to lie. Mrs. Hodgson stated she thought it was Mr. Hodgson doing all of this fussing about. But he wasn't living there, right? Right. So she
1: thought he was just coming in and smearing shit all over the place. And then. I guess so. Um,
0: They had the urine and the excrement analyzed. Dun, dun, dun. It belonged to a cat. Did they have a cat? (laughs) There was never any mention of a cat. And, you know. That's so freaking
1: disgusting. So, So, yeah.
0: Maybe somebody maybe was, let
1: cat in yeah maybe a stray was just coming in and spraying and shitting all over It's interesting that it would hop up and shit on the toilet seat though that's really repulsive. I think that's kids, oh my God boys that's so gross yeah yeah, okay Mrs. Hodgson continued on speaking into the recorder, listing the others going on. The kettle lid flew off a plastic spoon bent fires in the kitchen occurred. Milk bottles and fairy liquid were lined up on the floor. Crockery and cutlery were arranged when the children were not present because God knows children would just throw them all helter-skelter and pell-mell and willy-nilly. A big puddle of water appeared and the laundry basket jumped. Oh, Croiky Well, it sounds like a Saturday afternoon at Andy's house.
0: It really does. True story hundred <laughs> uh, percent. So throughout the year, the same types of things kept happening. And in October, the activity started to die down, but wasn't completely gone. Playfair decided, oh, I I do have to um, pause here for a second. Have you seen the? Okay. So they made a series of the Enfield Poltergeist on Prime. Did we talk about that yet? Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. It seems to dive into a lot of the background happenings that happen between Playfair and Gross. And Playfair is played by the dude that played in Pride and Prejudice, the prejudice, the version with Keira Knightley as Elizabeth Bennet. And he is so good looking.
1: Who did he who who was he in Pride and Prejudice? Mr.
0: Darcy. Mr. Darcy. Oh, I love that guy. Okay, so it's I, on Prime? He has like the best thighs. I would like to see his thighs bare. I'm not going to lie. I'm a thigh girl. What can I say? My uh, husband has thigh fantastic girl. thighs. Um, so anyway, yes. Okay, and it's he, it's on Prime. It's on Prime, and he's lovely. <laughs> and I have not watched. Now, obviously, if you compare that to the tapes, there's a lot of dramatic. What do you say? Dr- well, license license taken taken. yes i don't think that the things that are shown in this show are what happened obviously but it makes for a good show and you get to see a little more of interaction between playfair and gross which is good so anyway i just wanted to say that the playfair in the show was a watch not anymore he's
1: got it going on okay
0: i think he does personally okay so playfair decided to bring in a medium this medium claimed his task was to dispel the bad energy he claimed that at the enfield house he had an oobe ouch an an oob he had an oob or an ube ube an out of body experience he stated he saw a 24-year-old girl and something about her head. We're not really clear on that. Just she was 24 and she had something going on with her head. He said he also felt tension and something in Gross's aura that had a strong psychic influence. So he decided to give him a back rub and see. People. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Why don't I, I'm just going to lay on you.
1: just going to lay on you.
0: Have you ever been mesmerized?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to bed. Let's take off our clothes and talk. (laughs) talk. Mrs. Hodgson, we need your room. You're going to sleep on the couch because the two of us, we need to
0: talk. (laughs) The two men, we need to go and talk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The medium, this medium told Gross that it was his own daughter named Janet that was haunting the house, which if you remember, Gross lost his daughter. She was young. And that's what kind of pulled him into this field was because he really was looking for a connection with his daughter who had passed on. So this was this was pretty convenient for Gross. Mm. Um, the medium also said that the haunting was now over. It was all done. He declared it Done.
1: He declared it done. Mm -hmm. This house is clean.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: Well, Playfair stated he called bullshit. He stated he did not believe Janet Gross was the one haunting the house, nor did he believe it was all over. Morris Gross, however, did believe both counts. It's interesting, though, because Playfair left... After the discussions with the medium were over, even though he didn't believe the haunting to be through, he left. Gross did believe the medium took everything at face value, but still returned many times to record sessions with the kids. That is odd, right? I just. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just thought that was odd. Okay, in April of 1979, Gross recorded Mrs. Hodgson saying that she saw a door handle turning by itself and heard knocking and then a bang as the door shut by itself when the children were asleep. My ghost just keeps locking our doors, whether we're inside or not, which is weird. Super weird. Other incidents include the kitchen scales moving up and down the wall and a key turning of its own accord in the back door. She stated that she was more scared now than she had ever been before. She heard a disembodied male voice as if someone was behind the wardrobe, which then fell on the bed. And that's kind of so a big the deal. Whole, the whole wardrobe mm-hmm. tipped over. and fa- Yeah, wardrobes are big. Very I mean, big. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a smaller wardrobe, it's still going to be big. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, and so I'm wondering if, I don't know, because the men left. So now you have... You have the poor weak women in the house all by themselves <laughs>
1: without
0: any male protection. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just interesting to me. Or maybe, they're, maybe they were scared because the men left and that gave more power to the poltergeist. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. I just find that interesting because that, that's a pretty big thing to have happen. A wardrobe falling on the bed, especially after you hear a voice. That's... I agree. That is a big thing. And And here's another thing, Poltergeist. Since you can move shit, pick up a fucking mop. (laughs) I don't know why that's so hard. If you want to move shit, you can move a mop all day. I'll be fine with that. That's right. I don't know. I don't get it.
1: We'll even show you where the Mr. Clean is kept.
0: (laughs) I have it. It's right under my sink.
1: (laughs) We have that. Reconvening. And now we return to your regularly scheduled programming. Vic Nottingham, the neighbor, told of further mysteries that had occurred. He said there was a pile of pennies. <laughs> That's not how I read that at first. He said, he said there was a pile of pennies that appeared on his bed after he questioned Gary, his son, about them. More information. Okay, so he he was missing pennies and then they showed up and so he asked his son. Okay. My guess is his son stole them. My guess is his son stole them and then his dad's like, where the hell are my pennies? His son was older. His son was older. More, okay. More information was given about Bill Wilkins. Bill Wilkins! The ghost thought to be doing the haunting. And 15-year-old Denise Berkham related her story about seeing a shadow at the door.
0: And that is spooky. We both experienced that. That is spooky Mm. when that happens. But we aren't going to talk about that any further. Nope. Mrs. Hodgson then related her list of happenings for that month. A chest of drawers jumped of their own accord while everyone was in bed. Things seemed to just come through the bedroom wall, flying around, bottles, tubes, and glass beads. That sounds like a good Saturday night right there. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yes. <laughs> the top came off some hand cream and spread across the bed. A thin line of cream about four feet long. <laughs> oh my. You know, if you read anything in the right voice, you could make it dirty. That's a,
1: that's an, ex- that's a, That's a powerful ghost. When I was
0: writing this, I did not Mm -hmm. realize it sounded like this. Mm -hmm. Johnny's Johnny's bed jumped up and down. A book flew across the kitchen and stones (laughs) landed from unknown sources. Oh, my God.
1: (sighs) Yes. And a table moved and the settee moved several times. An apple flew across the room a bottle of bubble bath and other bathroom items came through the wall and batteries appeared from nowhere (laughs) (laughs) mrs hodgson we found your d batteries downstairs again (laughs) um they seem to have hand cream all over them i don't know what
0: that's about we found mr hodgson's competition
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of awesome. I'm not going to lie. Who can't use batteries? Am I right? Am I
0: right, Andy? Mm-hmm. How are you fixed for batteries? <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. We have a lot around here, <laughs> mainly for the boys. Is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> well, Janet also listed some things that happened. She stated that a boot came through the door at breakfast time. And that the teapot, just, <laughs> just when the you theater. need it, <laughs> <laughs> a kick in the ass to get breakfast done. <laughs> That's right. Bread si- slices were flying around and
0: the sugar
1: was knocked over.
0: Again, this could just be a typical kitchen of, a, of people who have four pe- four children in the house. I agreed. <laughs> because I can relate to all of that.
1: It sounds like breakfast time at the Blickenstaff house. I've been there. I can attest to it
0: yes it really is okay gross asked about the possibility of the children misbehaving 100 percent, especially johnny while he was there that fucking johnny he's already gotten taken to another school because of his misbehaving yeah i'm <clears> guessing
1: if it my suspicion is on johnny smearing the shit all
0: over the place <laughs> yes i would agree with that um but Mrs. Hodgson assured him it was not possible, apart from perhaps the old bit of mischief from Johnny. Well, isn't that odd bit of mischief? Things flying around, the sugar knocked over. That, to me, is odd bit of mischief. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not burning anything down. I don't know. So, so it was entirely possible. I don't know. This yes. one confused me. Yeah, because she really confused me. Gross had a washing up brush a washing up brush thrown at him from the kitchen at Great Force, and he witnessed a scarf moving up in the air off the sideboard.
1: Oh, <sighs> my goodness. Well, in May, according to the tapes, Gross only made two visits to the Hodgson household in 1979. And this was to record testimonies of the Hodgson's, Berkham's and the Nottingham's rather than to record actual events. Mrs. Hodgson talked about a mess made by a tube of hand cream. (laughs) But Johnny was present at the time and said, Ma, I swear I didn't touch your lotion. (laughs) I wasn't in the bathroom. It wasn't me for God's sake. (laughs) It wasn't me. I swear to God, I never tossed off. I never tossed off. Okay, Johnny was present at the time, and what's more, things were found concealed in Billy's bed. Hmm. Oh. More mm. lotion, perhaps. Lose.
0: More lotion, perhaps. And naked pictures, perhaps. I'm going to have three teenage boys in this house at the same time. Thank God none of them have hit yes. puberty yet, but good Lord. Yeah, I'm going to send of- to Aunt Jen. Summer Buskel yes. Camp. That's nope. what's gonna happen. No, thank you. No, thank you. Our water bill's are gonna go up so high.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> gonna be a lot of
0: chafing. And then a lot of lotion. And then a lot of chafing. A lot, a lot of, lotion. of lotion. It's, it's, it's a never-ending cyclical cycle. Cyclical cycle. Mm-hmm. Is that redundant? I don't know. <laughs> okay. They did agree that Johnny was probably responsible for some incidents and that it was quieter when he wasn't around. Hand to God, I can relate to that. Janet's voice came through now and then, and six... (laughs) I I just can't. And six floating pairs of knickers allegedly followed her into the bedroom. I feel like that's like a Mary Poppins thing, or bed knobs and broomsticks. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes, I can picture it as well. Um, Vic Nottingham and John Burkham both related events from the past. So that's what they were, yes, talking about. So go ahead.
1: On August 14th, 1979, John Burkham related that the Warrens had arrived out of the blue early in the morning and taken loads of photos. He said the children had become very excited since the girls were going to be taken out for a meal. At a wimpy bar. But not the boys. Mrs. Burkham was very unhappy about it, and Mrs. Hodgson was annoyed that the war at the Warrens constant interviewing. So, okay. So the Warrens took
0: the kids out? The girls. Just the two girls. Just the not girls. The boys. Okay. They made the boys stay at home. All right. So according to Burkham. The Warrens talked about making money, and it was said by someone on the tape, quote, they are trying to capitalize on the case, end quote. According to Mrs. Hodgson, Hodgson, the Warrens appeared to be against gross and playfair, and, quote, they were encouraging it, end quote, meaning the phenomena. Janet threw some Mm -hmm. tantrums, and Mrs. Burkham said that half the voices were fake, There was writing Hmm. on the wall, quantities of water from unknown sources, bangings and knockings on the wall, and a heap of dead flies on the mat. John Burkham narrated that an ashtray disappeared and reappeared when no one else was there and that there was a lot of activity after the Americans came. Mm, So apparently that stuff happened when the Americans came. And it is interesting because, so there's several... Things that you can watch on this, right? Several documentaries on YouTube that you can just watch for free. And there's also one that talks about the making of The Conjuring 2. And they mm-hmm. have, never mind, we'll go into that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll just see. We'll talk about okay. that here in a little bit. All right. In
1: October of 1981, Gross recorded an interview with Charles Kennedy, who was acquainted with Bill Wilkins and was allegedly the main entity or spirit during the case. And this is interesting because there's no mention of Charles Kennedy until now. So that is a bit of a confusing layer added in. Mm -hmm. At any rate, Kennedy described Bill Wilkins as a respectable and generous man who didn't use foul language. He was always clean and tidy and died at around 80. He later changed this to 72. Bill liked dogs, and the names Charlie, Fred,
0: and Bill Haylock meant nothing to him. Yeah, so that was just a really interesting take, and we don't know anything more about this Charles Kennedy. He's just he's hmm. mentioned in the book, and I don't. It was just he knew Bill Wilkins, um, so he could have been a credible source. I mean, but I don't really I don't know a whole lot more about him, and I couldn't find anything else on him. So okay. In 1997, Gross was contacted by Terry Wilkins, the son of Bill Wilkins, who agreed to be questioned about his late father. Terry said, it doesn't sound like his father, who was a quiet man, meaning all the things that were happening didn't sound like something that he would do. He mentioned that another man had died in the house earlier, but Gross didn't recognize his name. The age of death given on the tape by The Voice was wrong, which Gross said is understandable. Mm. But I find that odd. How can that? You, mm-hmm. ju- I don't know. You just can dismiss anything that the voice says. Just, I guess it's like you believe it when it's credible. And when it's not credible, it's convenient for you just to poo-poo it away, I guess.
1: It sounds like Gross was going to believe that the voice was a, a poltergeist or a ghost, no matter what yes. it said, or whether it was correct or incorrect. He was going to be like that. Eh, yeah. I still believe it. Yeah.
0: I still believe it. Yeah, for sure. I I think he was just really sucked in and maybe it was just by the grief over his daughter. I don't know. I'm sure it was.
1: You know, he was a person who clearly was desperate to believe that his daughter was somewhere better, safe, okay, you know. So it's it's
0: sad. It is Um, sad. I feel bad for him. I do as well. I do as well. Um, Terry talked about the circumstances of his father's death, which was not a heart attack, but he did go blind before he died. And we did talk about that a little bit, I think. Gross
1: provided further incidents from the investigation, but Terry didn't think it sounded like his father. More like a child talking. (laughs) Like a 10-year-old girl named Janet, perhaps? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gross suggested it might be something impersonating Terry's father who also didn't sing or whistle particularly. Gross said he thought the personality would be different from Terry's father.
0: Oh, for God's sakes. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows, but here you bring in this person who obviously is an expert on his father. And he's like, that is not my dad at all. I don't even know what you're talking about. You know? Yeah. It's just very interesting. Um, but that's it for the Enfield Poltergeist tapes, but we still need to discuss the elephant in the room, that of the Warrens, their visit to Enfield and the movie, The Conjuring 2. Okay. So first things first, Jen, what do you think of that little nugget piece we just found out about the Warrens? They just show up uninvited and kind of push their way into the Hodgson home and start questioning these girls. That's crazy. Not to mention they don't even take the boys out to eat with them. That's really mean. Mm -hmm. The movie would have us believe that they were invited to be there and that they were there through most, if not all, of the investigation. And this simply is not true. So what are your thoughts about this?
1: Um, I'm not surprised. I think there's, you know, the Warrens insisted throughout their career they never charged anybody anything for an investigation. Right. That they just did it out of the you know goodness of their heart or whatever. And okay, that, that is, enti- I don't know. I don't know enough about it. What I do think is that the Warrens probably exploited things. Uh, I think that the Warrens probably exaggerated findings to make themselves appear more credible. I don't think there are nearly as many demons in the earthly realm as the Warrens would have had us believe because everything that they came across was a demon. Um, they, they loved to talk about demons. Um, so my, my feeling is that shame on them. It was none of their business. I don't know what, I mean, the arrogance of that, Oh uh, to just show up, you know, this, the, the, um, Society, the SPR, the Society for Psychical Research in Britain, was working very hard to, and still does, work very hard to be a credible society that investigates paranormal events. And the (sighs) Warrens were not, you know, uh, they were not a... um, what I want to say, an academic pair, <laughs> as far as how they conducted research, right? Um, and and their goal was to, in always instill and ac, instill themselves into an investigation and exercise whatever was there. Whereas the Society for Psychical Research was very keen on investigating and understanding.
0: Yes, I would agree with that.
1: And so I, I kind of think that the, the gall of the Warrens to insert themselves into the investigation was pretty shitty.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that it's really interesting because the movie does have you believe that they are there when the curtain wraps itself around Janet's neck. They were not that they Mm -hmm. were there when all of these different things happened and they were not, they simply were there for a very short time. I mean, they took the kids out for a meal. So I don't even know if it was, if they were there for 48 hours, I have no idea. It doesn't say, but it certainly was a very short time.
1: Yeah. I'm not quite sure. And who knows, maybe they, you know, to expand on their um, resume, you know, to make it a situation, um, well, we were we were present at this haunting in Britain as well. Right, right,
0: yeah. Just to get that little credibility or that little snippet that they can say that they were there, they can cite that. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I
1: I don't know that I'm not a fan of the warrants. Love the movies, but they are Hollywood. They are not. I think sometime we need to do a show on them. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so friggin' Okay, so let's continue on with looking at the movie, shall we? What was real and what was bullshit? Certainly the police showing up and quickly exiting was real, right, Andy?
0: Yes, that was completely real. The Nottinghams were the ones that called the police on that first night, remember? And they came to inspect the house. They witnessed a chair slide across the floor about a meter on its own and then quickly told the family that basically there hadn't been a crime. No one's broken the law. So good luck. Stick it up your arse, we're out. (laughs) But what about the family interviews with all of the reporters that showed up, Jen? Well, yeah, the reporters thought that the Hodgson's
1: were all sixes and sevens at first until they actually went into the house and some of them witnessed some stuff lying around. They also were able to get behind the story once they read the police report and realized that police officers uh, had experienced stuff as well. And what about when, in an interview about the movie, the real Janet Hodson said she felt comforted when Ed and Lorraine showed up?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they did go out to eat with them and maybe Lorraine did make Janet feel comfortable. That is totally plausible. I just feel kind of cheated because the movie and subsequent interviews with Lorraine made it seem like they were there for a lot of the investigation. And that is not what happened. It was Maurice Gross and Playfair who were there. Mm. Okay. And was the movie shot in the actual house? Yes, it was, Andy. They used the actual council
1: house to film the movie. And there was a big emotional reunion between the girls, Janet and Margaret, and the Warrens. Although I think by now we're all scratching our heads at why, unless we just don't know the whole story, which could be the case. As far as um, Janet faking the voice of uh, Bill Wilkins, what do you think?
0: Ah, the voice. Well, it was deep and gravelly and did sound like a dead old man for sure. The investigators kept coming back to the same question. Is Janet making this voice or is it coming out of her? Well, I had Beth, my 14-year-old, very petite daughter, try to do the voice and she could not. Like physically, she couldn't do it. It really hurt her throat. Not that that's any gauge of anything. I would just had her try it. So I don't know. And... um. Yeah, that one is that one's interesting because they also had her do the um, put the water in her mouth and see. And it was like she was water, you know, it was like she was still saying it. So I don't know on that one. Um, But what about the Hodgson, Hodgson kids making things up during the two year investigation? Well, yeah, they did. They did it. They totally
1: made shit up because they were kids. It was a challenge to them. They wanted to see how much they could get away with. And I don't believe, I really don't believe they understood the severity of the situation. Because, I mean, how could they? They were just kids who are innately narcissistic and sociopathic. They Um, are. They are. Okay. So, Andy, what about the strange knocking and tapping? Did those actually occur?
0: Yes, they did, actually. Sometimes the people who heard them could tell where they were coming from. Other times, it just seemed as if they were coming from out of nowhere. But several people outside of the family experienced the knocking and tapping, and this is a valid occurrence. Mm. Okay, Jen, did dozens of crosses actually turn upside down? No, this did not happen.
1: And it actually didn't start out as a sign of evil either. The first account of this ever happening was when St. Peter was crucified. He said he wanted to be crucified well upside down on the cross. He felt that he was not worthy to be crucified in the same way Jesus was. So there's really nothing horrific or horrifying Mm -hmm. or antichristical. Um, About a cross being upside (laughs) down.
0: I I think you just made up a new word.
1: I did make up a new (laughs) word. Um, Okay. So did Peggy, the mom, actually go to the neighbors for help, Andy?
0: Yes. She did grab the kids and went next door begging for help. The Nottinghams were glad to be there for them and did indeed help. Vic went next door to investigate. He said, I went in there and I couldn't make out those noises. There was a knocking on the wall in the bedroom on the ceiling. I was beginning to get a bit frightened. (laughs) Okay, Jen, did Janet Hodgson really levitate? Well, the movie...
1: Really did a good job of exaggerating it if she did levitate. In real life, Graham Morris, the photographer for the Daily Mirror in the UK, was there during the entirety of the investigation and had cameras set up all over the house. He had cameras in the girl's bedroom that were on a motion sensor so that if anything moved, a picture was taken. There is photographic evidence of Janet up in the air. That's true. And this picture is readily available online. Anybody Mm -hmm. can find it. I've seen it a hundred times. When you look closely, her legs are pulled up to her chest. It really looks like she had just jumped off the bed. And I agree with that. There is nothing the way her arms are. She's not levitating. Mm, The girl just jumped.
0: Yes. And so I have to add that in the making of The Conjuring 2, when they interviewed Lorraine Warren, she talked about how the girls would levitate. They would be pulled up by some force and then they would just crisscross over their beds. Well, we know that the Warrens weren't even there to experience any of that. So I don't know why she would say that in the first place. Like Mm -hmm. how would she even know? Because she wasn't there.
1: Yeah, they were too. there,
0: they interviewed them and had their voices on the tapes, but that was it.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I just think, oh, the Warrens. Well, <clears throat> as far as it actually happening, maybe something slight did happen. After all, the real Janet is actually quoted as saying, the levitation was scary because you didn't know where you were going to land. And remember, there were two witnesses who have nothing to do with the family that supported their claims.
0: That's right. A baker and a lollipop lady who were passing by outside. Um, I think the lollipop lady was the the crossing guard, I think. OK, OK. Um, it, they were um, passing by outside and claimed to have seen Janet hovering above her bed as they looked through an upstairs window. The lady saw me spinning around and banging against the window. I thought I might actually break it and go through it. Janet was quoted as saying. And about Janet, was she really possessed? (sighs) Okay.
1: So we have talked about the recordings of 11-year-old Janet Hodgson speaking with a deep old man's voice. And if you watch the movie at the end... During the run of the credits, they play the actual recording. The voice is that of Bill Wilkins who had died in the living room of the house. Well, in a BBC documentary filmed in the early 80s, Janet Hodgson was interviewed. You, get, you can get the suggestion from this interview that the idea of talking in a possessed voice may have been encouraged and planted in Janet's mind by Morris Gross himself. When asked when the voices started, Janet said that one night, Morris Gross told them, all we need now is the voices to talk. Almost immediately following this suggestion, they did. The voices had mainly growled, barked, and made similar noises prior to this. So that's very interesting. Yes. So Mm -hmm. possibly he just kind of encouraged that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they were kids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that still leaves a question. Could she have, I mean, talked in that voice, I guess that would have been really hard to do, but entirely possible, I guess.
0: It it, it would be possible just because my daughter couldn't do it. doesn't mean it's not possible. Right. Um, Absolutely. It could be possible. But I think, I mean, even when you were doing that accent on the last show and talking in a gruff voice, that was that hurt you. And I mean, these tapes went on for hours. Yeah, that's, that would be really hard to do. And,
1: and to have it not affect your voice when you weren't speaking like that.
0: Right. Right.
1: For sure. Okay. So, um, Andy, did
0: Bill Wilkins actually die in that house? Yes. Actually, his son, Terry confirmed that he had died in a manner similar to what Janet described when she was possessed the dying of a hemorrhage while sitting in that chair in the living room corner. So that mm. that's accurate. Okay. Okay. So Jen, did the whole thing start with a Ouija board as the movie was suggested? Yes. At least according to the real
1: Janet Hodgson, she said that she and her sister, Margaret played with a Ouija board just prior to the start of the activity. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so were Janet and her siblings bullied at school?
0: Well, who wasn't? I mean, seriously. Yes, this did actually happen. According to Janet, the other kids called her ghost girl and put Mm. crane flies down her back. I don't know what a crane fly is. Mm. I know that's so sad. Her brother was tormented in similar ways, although in the film, they make fun of his stutter. Mm. So sad. Poor little guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you though that the world is coming to be in, in a better place because um, now with inclusion classes, general education students are exposed to special education students every day kids who have stutters, kids who have learning deficits, kids who may look a little different, kids who may behave a little different in STEM and all that. And it's becoming commonplace. And so there's no stigma anymore. And at least from my point of view, I think that bullying goes, you know, of course they pick on the weaker ones in the pack, but I don't think that they pick on kids who would have been considered special education in the past Mm -hmm. because inclusion is kind of taking away that fear. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, that's just a little, I think that's a, that's a good thing. Just a little plug for that. So, um, did the furniture really move, Jen?
1: Okay, well, there isn't a definitive yes or no on this. The only thing that is cited over and over is the police report from WPC Carolyn Heaps, who was the officer that witnessed the chair moving that first night and was smart enough to file a report on it. She signed an affidavit stating that she had witnessed an armchair levitate approximately half an inch and move close to four feet across the floor. However... There were also more than 30 witnesses to similar strange incidents in the home. There wasn't just furniture moving. There were objects flying around, cold breezes, physical assaults, pools of water appearing on the floor, graffiti, remember the soap, and the best one, matches spontaneously igniting. Boom. After this report, did the
0: police do anything to help Andy? Yeah, no. No, they did not. To serve and protect is only for the normal, not the paranormal world, Jen. Hmm. Those cops hightailed it out of there as fast as they could, which clearly lends credibility to the story, honestly. They felt that since no laws were being broken, that there wasn't anything they could do except leave and drink. Probably consumed a lot of drink. So what caused the Enfield poltergeist to, quit, to quiet down, Jen?
1: Well, Andy, the real Janet Hodgson believes it was a priest's 1978 visit to the family's Enfield home in North London that caused the haunting to calm down. Not the Warrens, as Hollywood would have us believe. Though the occurrences did not end completely, Peggy still heard noises in the house from time to time. And Janet's brother, Billy, who lived there until his mother passed, remarked that you always felt like you were being watched. What happened to the family after the paranormal activity subsided?
0: Well, when the activity subsided and the press attention faded, the family faced various challenges. Janet married young after leaving home at the age of 16. Her younger brother, Johnny, died of cancer at age 14. Mm -hmm. The family's claims of something paranormal being present in the house lasted all the way up until Peggy's death, at which time Janet's brother, Billy, moved out of the home. Janet lost a son who died in his sleep at the age of 18. She says that she didn't want to resurrect the painful memories of the Enfield poltergeist events when her mother was alive, but that she is now ready to tell her story. And that was the interview that, Um, they're all over YouTube. You can just Google her and and, uh, hear all about it. Mm. So, how does the real Janet Hodgson feel about the movie, The Conjuring Two, and what have families who have lived in the home since think about it? The home, I mean, not the movie.
1: Janet was actually less than thrilled when she learned about the movie. I wasn't very happy to hear about the film, she said. I didn't know anything about it. My dad had just died. And it really upset me to think of all this being raked over again. And after the real Peggy Hodgson passed away, Claire Bennett and her four sons moved into the Enfield home. Like Janet's younger brother, Billy, Claire claimed that she always felt as if someone was watching her. During the night, her children would get woken up by voices coming from downstairs. She then learned about the Enfield poltergeist that had supposedly haunted the home. The final straw came when her son Shaka, Fifteen woke up and saw a man enter his room. They moved out the next day after being in the house only two months.
0: Whoa. Yeah, and that's different than the um, Amityville Horror. Because the Amityville Horror, everybody who's lived in the house after... Who was it? What are those people's names? I can't remember. The Lutzes. After the, the Lutzes. After the Lutzes they all say it, they didn't have any experiences and that nothing was n- nothing bad happened. No hauntings, nothing. So this right. is really interesting. Agreed.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Wow.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. So that wraps it up for another poltergeist possession story. Any final thoughts, Jennifer?
1: No, I am. Um, Thank you. Brought to light some good things. I'm, I'm still not, I think this, this one's like half and half, half legit, half bullshit.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely think a lot of things happened, but I also think that because the kids faked a lot of things and there was some ideas planted in their heads by gross that you, you got to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt, right? That yeah, of consider the source kind of a thing.
1: Agreed. I know. Without yeah. a doubt.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to thank you all for listening Please get in touch with us at any time. Reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email us at ichabodshousepod at gmail.com.
1: You make every episode a pleasure. Until next time, remember, Ichabod loves you.
0: Carry a flashlight and always bring extra pants.